0: You're listening to wholesaling episode number four hundred and eighty-one. So I think the key is the backstory. It usually begins in the life of the leader, okay? Because when you look at the seven enemies, it usually begins in a mindset, a framework. The mindset and the framework is really the genesis of this problem.
1: Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I am your host, Chris Arnold, and uh, man, do I have a topic for you today. A lot of times we talk about business, which is great. It's important for a lot of you in the audience. That's the type of information that you're really craving right now. But occasionally I like to bring in someone, bring in a topic that I know has the capacity to literally change some people's lives um, that are listening to this because these are the type of messages. have really impacted me and changed my life. And so a couple of things I want to say before I introduce our our guest today. You know, There's two parts to business. There's the performing side of business, which is the doing. That's your strategies. um, That's learning how to market, operations. That's really important. And when you're new to the business, that's where you're gonna spend a lot of your time. But there's another part of business which we call the becoming side or the being side. And that's the type of man or woman you become in your business, the type of leader, the type of character that you develop. And what I will tell you is the longer you get in business, the more time you'll spend on the becoming side rather than the doing side. And the reason for that is you'll realize that impact comes from who you become. And you'll realize that most likely, if your business is to fail, it's not because of performance. It's usually a flaw in character. As they say, your uh, talent has the ability to move you further than your character can sustain you. Let me say that again. Your talent has the ability to take you further than your character can sustain you. And I'll tell you a really alarming thing and why, Greg, our guest today that I'm about to introduce is really important. Is you know only one out of three leaders will finish well. That means that two thirds of the people listening to this podcast, or two thirds of the leaders out there, will get disqualified because of a moral misstep. And I think we all know those stories of someone that we've admired um, and we put up on a pedestal, and we find out they made a decision that crumbled everything. So all that to say, a little bit more of a serious tone today, but these are the topics that matter. We're talking about wisdom today. So very excited to introduce my guest, who is also uh, an author, Greg Salsicholi, who is the author of The Enemies of Excellence, and who, for me, has also been a mentor and a coach, someone who's come along that I've learned a lot from. So Greg, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you?
0: Chris, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Excited,
1: man. So let's get in. Let's talk about the seven enemies of excellence. And this is kind of a three-part series. We're going to start with a story. Then we're going to go into the seven enemies of excellence. And then we're going to come back with what you call three powerful solutions uh, against these enemies of excellence. So, man, let's get this going. Let's start with a story. Everybody loves a
0: story. Set the precedence here. Well, Chris, I want to go back to what I would say would be the worst morning of my life. I mean, that's a pretty big statement for a guy who's almost 60. So this was a morning where if you ever had this where you're, you're sleeping, it's early, it's like 6 a.m., but you're going to sleep on that day, which I was, and your pillow feels so perfect, right? It's like, oh, I feel so good. I'm sleeping. But I hear this phone ringing. And at, at that time, we didn't have, we had a, a line phone. <laughs> we still had a line phone. And it was in the kitchen, and I I didn't believe in having a phone in our bedroom because I didn't want to have that bother us. So I'm hearing this phone ringing, but I don't really want to get up. I don't really want to wake up. So I fight myself out of it. I get up. Diana kind of stirs a little bit. I go to the kitchen, and on the other end is a friend who also is a client who I've been working with. And I mean, I can just tell the moment I pick up that phone, he is in deep, deep trouble. And all he says is, "Greg." Can you please come over right now? I need to see you. And he hangs up the phone. Well, I know where he lives. So I, I quickly go jump in a shower and get, get ready. And uh, on my way out, Diana says, "What? why are you up so early? What, what are you doing? I said, There's, my friend has a problem. And I think it's serious. So as I'm driving over to his house, I'm trying to figure out what is it? Is it the business? Is it a staff member? Did they have something go wrong? But as I'm going there, I'm getting this bigger and bigger dread that this is something that I've not experienced before. I don't know why I was feeling that way. And as I pull into his driveway, I'm thinking, what am I going to experience? I go up and knock on the door. He opens up the door and Chris, he's got these scratch marks from someone's nails across his face. He's got this despondent, bloodshot eyes. And all he just says is, please come in. As soon as I step in his house, I hear this scream. And the scream, I'll never forget. It's like a scream that goes through your body to your soul. It was his wife screaming, why, why, why? Just screaming. As I walk into the front room, I'm seeing a meltdown. I'm seeing a meltdown of a marriage. I'm seeing a meltdown of a man, his legacy, his business, his life. I'm watching... A meltdown that is serious and destructive and just so everyone knows today this business this organization no longer exists where it was thriving it was it was so vibrant as I walked in that room I sat down and began to talk with he and his wife and he had had an affair and as we began to unpack that I began to see that in his life there I had seen indications of it. You know, you can sometimes see from the outside, but you don't see the whole backstory until you really get into someone's life until they really are transparent about it and actually share it.
1: Mm. Wow. So from that moment, as you begin to kind of unravel that story, and again, your experience with working with, again, Greg works with some of the top, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners in the country that are doing, you know, tens of millions of revenue, really wealthy guys. And so as you began to unravel this, you began to see a pattern, what you kind of call, you know, it didn't just happen in one point. There was a process yeah. that led up to that ultimate decision that literally toppled this guy's life. As you talk about his, his reputation, his net worth, everything that he had built. And you really kind of begin to call those the seven enemies of excellence. So Help us understand what was the path that this guy went down and something that we can obviously learn from uh, his experience so that we can avoid this. Because I think anyone listening, the number one thing they're saying is, I don't want to be that guy or I don't want to be that woman. That should be gut-wrenching to go, I just never want that to happen in my life.
0: No, because this is a person who had to actually lost everything and had to even leave town, move to a whole different area of the country to start over and you know, has never really gotten back to the point of success that they had at that moment or prior to that, to that moment. So the backstory is quite interesting. This is why I actually wrote the book, Chris, is because I wanted people to avoid this. There is a way to build sustainable success, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But right now, let's talk about why do intelligent, brilliant, bright people sabotage their lives? Why do they do it? I think we've all asked that. When we look online and we see people in the news and we're like, why? Why?" You know, that question just uh, screams at you. Well, there's a backstory. So let me talk about the backstory because at any scene of a crime, any detective group is always looking for what's the backstory? What led to this disaster? Why did this happen? Let's just unpack the backstory and then we can uh, therefore go forward with that and understand how we can build sustainable success and not end up like this man and his wife and the employees that no longer have a job and the company that no longer exists, right? And the loss of so much. So I think the key is the backstory, it usually begins in the life of the leader, okay? Because when you look at the seven enemies, it usually begins in a mindset, a framework. The mindset and the framework is really the genesis of this problem. You know, all of us have an ego. Chris, you have an ego, I have an ego. Ego is important. Courage is important, confidence is really important. But what orientation does that ego have? Which way is it pointed? Is it pointed towards building something that for me, that gives me significance, that makes me feel important, that you know gives me lots of value and wealth, or is my ego turning? and building something that's a little more altruistic rather than egotistical, or I'm building something, a great product, a great service that serves others, that really improves our community, our world. An ego is much safer in that orientation than it is in the other orientation. Because egotistical, narcissistic, uh, self-serving, that's a very unstable ego. That unstable ego then leads to all the other enemies and they all are attracted to it. Just much like a gigantic magnet, they're attracted to it. And then once they get involved in your life, they all have their own destructive, cumulative impact. Yeah. So So what is that
1: first enemy? You call it egotism. And I like this phrase, egotism says, I know best. This is kind of level one. This is where it begins. Unpack that a little bit.
0: I know best. Most people who get locked into this, they end up being intoxicated by their own views. They get intoxicated by their own judgments and decisions. People are talking, but they're just in the background. They don't really hear counsel. They don't really take in counsel. It's like, I know better than Chris. I know better than Greg. I mean, somebody even listening to this right now, or when they do download is going to say, who is this guy? I mean, they know best. They see themselves as the most intelligent person walking in the room. I had a I had a business owner one time. He flew across the country to meet me, came into my office in a conference room and said, "Greg, my name's I'll just call him George, and I just want you to know most people consider me the most intelligent person in the room."
1: Dangerous. <laughs> just let that sink <laughs> it, in for me. I'm I'm no longer teachable. I'm I'm no longer open to the counsel of other people. And we are all smart enough, like regardless of how intelligent I am, I'm still going to have blind spots. And so if all of a sudden I cut off any type of feedback or counsel from other people, because I think I always know best. I think anyone listening understands that you're just wide open to get knocked down because of a blind spot you have.
0: Yep. Yeah. Egotism then leads to our our next enemy. That's the one I was going to ask. Life mismanagement is number
1: two, right? Which says... I'll get to it later. I call this the when-then trap. When this happens in my life, then I'll spend more time with my family. Or when my business gets a little bit more established, then I'll start taking care of myself and exercising, going to the gym. So let's unpack enemy number two, life mismanagement.
0: So I do want to say one thing quickly. Every person in leadership, you're always at risk. You never have no risk, okay? So there are three enemies in the low risk category. One is obviously ego. Two is life mismanagement, and then we'll talk about the third, which is which is bad habits, in just just a moment. But you're, we're always at risk. So I want us to operate from that foundation. All of us are always at risk. Leadership is intrinsically risky. Ownership, leadership, entrepreneurship is intrinsically risky. I want us just to get that really clear. Now, life mismanagement. If we do not manage ourselves, if we don't do good self-care, Chris, you know this, my friend, if we don't do great self-care, if we don't invest in our relationships, our critical relationships around us, because relationships don't go on hold. They never go on hold. They either are being enriched or they're depreciating. Yeah, they have, well said, well said. They don't have a middle ground. And so I think the key is that if we're not investing in ourselves, self-care, sleep, nutrition, hydration. Most corporate people are chronically dehydrated. They think they're hungry, but they're actually dehydrated. We don't have the electrolytes that we need. I mean, there's there's a, quite a few things around that. Exercise, journal time, thought leadership time, all those things that help you stay at a high level of preparedness and health readiness to then have the best idea. Many times, an entrepreneur's best idea is a nap away or a rest time away.
1: I totally is, agree with that. Is, is this and, I, and I'll tell you, Greg, as I know entrepreneurs, I work both running Multiplies Brotherhood, which is the top real estate guys in the country, all the way to our incredible students with Wholesaling Inc. and, you know, REI Radio. Life mismanagement is something I see on a regular basis because everyone into this mentality that I've got to sacrifice it all. I've got to burn it at both ends in order to make it. And again, we're not saying there might not be a time where you got to be able to turn something on. But the problem is when you turn on and you don't turn off and you just stay on because at some point you're going to crash. So, and let's touch on this third one. You talked about bad habits, which is fundamentally, here's the thing. What harm could it do? So what is this enemy of excellence right here? This is probably starting to pick up things like what? maybe drinking a little bit, things to self-medicate. What do you see here?
0: So what happens is when you're not doing good life management, you're looking for an escape. You're looking somehow to escape the continuous pressure because you're not depressurizing. You're not enriching yourself. You're not refueling yourself, which we'll talk about that solution soon. You're not doing that. So therefore you're looking for some kind of way to escape. So it could be alcohol. It could be overeating. A lot of people stress eat. It could be it could be improper viewing of content on your phone or, or online. It can be gambling. I have a lot of entrepreneurs that get stuck in gambling. You're looking for something to escape the pressure that you don't allow yourself to depressurize or don't systematically depressurize. You don't refuel. And so these now these bad habits become hooks. And they get in and they have a they have a disorientating factor to them. They take away your edge, your innovation, your, your your creativity, right? They take away your strength. And then many times that leads to the next enemy, which is it breaks down relationships. Now, there's an acceleration happening here. Chris, there's an acceleration. These are all cumulative, but there's also an acceleration towards self-sabotage. Me-
1: meaning that as you step into it, this pace picks up, this uh, downward spiral gets faster. And so yeah. you've just hit the first three and I want to summarize those real quick just for the listeners. Again, we're not looking at an infographic like you have built, which is great. But number one, egotism, I know best. Then I move into life mismanagement. I'm not really taking care of my body, my spirituality, all those type of things. Then I start to cope or escape through, hey, what harm could this do with bad habits? And again, now we're starting to pick up pace here. And then we move into number four, which is, indulgence, which you're fundamentally telling yourself, well, I deserve it. I deserve it. And If you've been in uh, business or you push yourself to the max, that phrase right there, I deserve it, you should resonate with because how many times have we made decisions on overspending or doing something we shouldn't do because we go into the guise of, you know what? I've been busting my butt for my family, for this business I've been sacrificing. You know what? Greg, I deserve it, right? Unpack this well, a little bit more.
0: Back to Rob, you know, Rob said to me, while well, I sat in his house, Greg, I just thought I could have a little naughty on the side. I said, Rob, if you realize there is no side, there is no side. You can't have a little bit of indulgence over here and expect you're gonna have health relationships and perform well over here. No, you're not. It's you can't all compartmentalize one. it. No, it's all together. You can't compartmentalize. Now, as males, especially, we we tend to want to do that but you can't. It's all on the table. It's all on one playing field. You don't exist in different dimensions. You're in one dimension. And so I think the key is that indulgence now, now we're taking things to an escalated level, right, Chris? And so this indulgence now controls me more than I control it. A bad habit I can work with here and there. We all have them. We're all working through them. In fact, the secret is to build a good new habit, to let go of and release a bad habit. We could talk about it if we had time. But the key is indulgence has power to it. It has the flywheel effect to it. It sucks us into it, right? And now it is now dictating to us.
1: So This is really a, a loss of control here. Whereas I might feel in control playing with these certain type of habits and so forth, when I move over into indulgence, all of a sudden there is a loss of control on my behavior, which now we're talking about different types of potential addictions or going down that road, which makes sense. So let's go to number five broken relationships. And what I'm asking myself or anyone in this position is saying, you know, why don't they just understand me? Right? Mm-hmm. And what happens here when all of a sudden the relationships begin to break down? And as you said, we're catching momentum towards sabotage. This, This is the story of your telling of your guy, right? He was catching momentum that led to that point of when you got that call in the morning.
0: So what's happening here? Yeah, and unfortunately, Chris, this is a lot of people's story, right? Throughout history and time.
1: Unfortunately, as we said, it's two thirds of
0: leaders' stories. Of men and women, beautiful people who have really destroyed their lives. What happens here is that the people in your life are trying to reach you but you've now you're now even harder to reach, because you've got active indulgences, you've got bad habits, you're not taking care of yourself very well, you're not thinking really clearly. There's a disorientation here. You've lost your compass. You've lost true your north. You're not you know you're really just in a now you're more controlled by other forces than you're controlling the forces around you, and your people are trying to reach you, especially the critical core people around in your life are trying to reach you, but you're not taking their counsel. Because remember, you know best. And I'm just going to work harder. I'll just work harder, Chris, to get out of this. Which you're working harder, but you're working more into the trap. You're putting more, you know, you're binding yourself up more in the problem. And people begin to, if they can't reach us, Chris, they're going to leave us. If they can't reach us, they're going to be well to said us. yeah it's well said because they have to remove themselves they can't reach you they can't watch the destruction they see it clearly we don't see it if we're caught in this they see it clearly they're trying to help us they're trying to reach us but we're ah we have us we have a stiff arm if not physically we have a stiff arm in our head and our conscience is beginning to get seared and there's a close down factor happening here and, and that moves to number six, right? Which, if I'm not
1: listening, if I'm not receiving counsel, if I'm blocking everyone out, now we move to enemy number six, which is isolation, yeah. which I know is literally one of the biggest, most comprehensive problems I see in the business world. It's it's why I started Multipliers Brotherhood, because we tend, particularly as men, That when, just say it, when the shit hits the fan, when things get really hard, rather than moving toward people, we want to go hide by ourselves and deal with it on our own. And now we're over in a corner with our own thoughts by ourselves. And man, what a dangerous place to be in. So let's talk about this enemy right here. Now we're in isolation. What's happening?
0: So there's There's a temporary empowerment here, which is a false empowerment. We feel if I can just pull away, if I can just be by myself, I can figure this all out. So we temporarily feel empowered by this, but yet it's another, it's another enemy. It's another sabotage. It's another lie. We need to be in community with people, connection with people to figure it out, not by ourselves. Because isolation actually had a thread earlier on, right? When I told myself I, I know best. I'm actually beginning to isolate myself at that point, see? So isolation gets its hook in early and then pulls you out, isolates you. And there's an ancient proverb that is very scary. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. Well said. Sound judgment is gone. We thought we could do it on our own entrepreneurs, you know, we do need that strength, that inner confidence and strength. But please gather the right people around you and don't do business or life alone. It doesn't work. It never has. It never will. We were built to work in community and collaboration. And we don't do well isolated.
1: I agree. And this speaks again, again, to a lot of people that might be following certain people that we you know, value and read their books and so forth. And you can name the names, but what they really teach is that you're an island and that you can do it yourself and that you're self-made. Let me just say straight up, it's a bunch of BS. <laughs> that whole message is empowering. It's it's cool. There's some hipness to it in the way that that is packaged. But if you're listening, the reality is there is no way that you're going to summit the mountain that you've been called to summit and you think you're going to do it by yourself. It's, sh- it's ludicrous for you to even think that there's any truth to that message. But unfortunately, that message is out there. So let's wrap up with the seventh enemy. And I want to move over now to solutions for sustainable success, right? The Thanks. last enemy, uh, number seven is self-sabotage, which you're finally saying, it's not my fault. This is, uh, when you get the call, this is, as you said, one of the worst mornings of your life. What's oh, yeah. happened at the end of this story? Let's tie this in with this guy.
0: As I sat with Rob and watched medical people begin to attend to his wife who had really had a breakdown and just begin to have him pour out his life, it was not only sad, but it was, it was so avoidable. As I sat there, I thought, all of this is avoidable. But then he, he unpacked the way he'd been acting and doing things in secret and, and all of it as he began to even share it, as he listened to himself he was trying to understand, why did I do this? Why did Now the person who did it, the person who had the gas can and the lighter who lit their life on fire in their business and burned it to the ground, is wondering why they're standing there with the gas can and the lighter in their hand. They don't even know why. What I want to say is when you get to this point, people do crazy things. I mean, I could tell stories about leaders that one ran naked through town. I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you do that are really incredibly strange and weird. But you have to remember, there's been a dismantling. There's been a disorientation. There's been a disconnection, right? Of conscience, of, of yeah. all types of things. There's yeah. an exhausted person, okay? They're absolutely exhausted. They're depleted physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. They are done. Yeah. And so a person like that is desperate. They're just going to be doing very desperate, crazy things, buying, going on these buying sprees and buying crazy things. And again, moving out and finding different people to relate to who will, who will say, sure, it's not your fault because you're paying the bill for their life they're more than happy to ride that train with you.
1: And I think we've seen that. I think there's probably some particular celebrities we can pinpoint some of that behavior. Like, man, looks like that person just really went off the deep end. So let me summarize these seven and let's go over to the solution. So enemy one, egotism. Enemy two, life mismanagement. Enemy three, bad habits. Enemy four, indulgence. Enemy five, broken relationships. Enemy six, isolation, and enemy seven, self sabotage. So, someone's listening going, Man, I don't want that to be my story. I don't want that to be my legacy. I want to finish the race well. I want to be the one out of three that makes it. Yeah. What can you tell us? Where's the wisdom here? What are, as you say, the sustainable kind of success things that we can put in these powerful solutions. What are the solutions here? Let's break these down.
0: As we talk about the solutions, just recognize every one of us that are listening to this soon, you all are at some level of risk. There is a risk assessment in my book. There's this risk assessment online at our company. We'll tell you how to do that. You can take that. And we, I'd be more than happy to have our team or us help you with it. So we're all at some levels of risk, but they're easily correctable by these three solutions. Okay. The first solution I like to call decentralized leadership. Now let me unpack it really, really quickly because what it means is if you think of a circle, everybody, think of a circle in your mind and there's arrows pointing into the circle. A centralized leader, which is kind of left over from the industrialized revolution, you know, the boss in the elevated office with the coffee cup, looking down at the minions that are working in the factory, right? That's the centralized leader who makes all the calls, the boss, who everything comes back to him or her. All decisions, all direction, every meeting is led by them. They want to see every email. They're high micromanager, controller. The centralized leader never has time to invest in self management, never has time to invest in listening to others. They know best, right? So, a centralized leader, if you're that type of entrepreneur, you want to move to a decentralized. So, now think of the arrows pointing out from the circle, connected to you as the primary leader, but they're empowered by you through relationship, through a vision, a business plan, roles and responsibilities. You empower them to be self-directed, to let them go out and lead with their abilities. And then you guys collaborate in success. Mm. If you move to a decentralized, you'll be in less meetings. Your email box will be almost empty because you're allowing people to actually lead. You'll make decisions quarterly and then empower people and let them run. And you've got more time for thought leadership yourself, more time for investment in you. And the best investment, which is solution number two, is systematic renewal. Now, okay. I go deeply into that in my book. And Chris, you, you know, you're a good practicer of systematic renewal, my friend. You live in a beautiful place, by the way, that lends itself to that. I love where you live and I think the key is that you systematically renew yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You really invest in yourself. You recognize the first best strategy is to invest in me to make sure I'm at the top of my game. To make I, I sure totally I bring agree with that. I bring strength in meetings. I bring innovation. I bring creativity. You know, I bring the best to what I do because I have systematically taking care of myself. Now, Chris, what that comes down to, quickly, my friend, is identifying certain activities that do that. When I'm on my mountain bike on a single track trail out here in the Cascades, I am unwinding emotionally. I'm physically getting charged. I am, I'm able to hit, I sometimes even pray while I'm out there. I can hit three accounts with one activity. When I'm with Diana and my grandkids, our sons relationship is like i'm like a sponge soaking up all that beautiful connection and relationship i've got five grandkids they're gorgeous they're fun they're crazy and i love it all and it just revitalizes me relationally right
1: yeah absolutely so let me kind of summarize those first two and we'll hit the last one so decentralized leadership let me say it this way Either you're going to build a business that completely relies upon you and revolves around you, which again, you're not running a business, you're fundamentally just owning a job, or you're going to build a business in which you work on it, not in it. I'll use some you know language like Michael Gerber that will connect with this crowd. And you've learned to delegate and to outsource and you've learned to empower people yeah. in your company to raise up leadership because your business should be able to run without you not having this arrogant approach that, well, if I'm not in it, it's not going to survive. Those are two different types of leadership mentality. And then again, systematic renewal, I like to call it replenishment. You're absolutely right. Um, I used to have a professor that would say, divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abort annually. And that was systematic Mm -hmm. renewal. Every day, do something to go replenish yourself, right? Every week, take off a day or two, whatever that looks like, and weekly withdraw from the business. And annually, at least once, if not more, abort. Go out for two weeks, turn everything off, get off the radar because he was smart enough to know, to tell us as young men, that that was one of the more important decisions he had made in his life was living by that renewal. So let's hit the last one, which is the core group. And I believe in this. I've Spent so much time, Greg, you know, building this in my own life because there were times I didn't feel like I could find it. But I began to realize that if I had the right men around me, not just mentors, but men, peers that were walking through what I was walking, that I could relate with That if I built a core group in my life, that was going to minimize my probability of making a misstep and losing it all. So touch a little bit lastly on uh, this core group. And again, by the way, if you're listening and you want to like see this, I mean, this is an incredible video, go to my YouTube, Chris Arnold Real Estate, subscribe, because a lot of times, these are the type of messages like you want to see the actual video for. So
0: touch on the core group. So the, the core group, Chris, is really your trusted advisors. These are the men and women that you bring around you that resource you and fill in the dimensions of your life and business and giving you expert counsel as well as expert support. Now, some of the people in your in your core group are paid. My CPA, our legal firm, I've got three different financial advisors. Some of those, now they have become friends, but they are paid and, and I practice absolute transparency with them. This is a key for your core group. Absolute transparency with them. You, you want to, if, if they're really gonna give you counsel, you've got to be transparent. And, You know, as Socrates says, an unexamined life is not worth living. You've got to allow your life to be examined. So there are those. I have physical therapists. I have a pastor. You're paid paid people. What's the second one? The second level is what I would call colleagues, professional, personal colleagues. So I've got some of those in the business as well. That partner, I I have a one partner in there. So those are colleagues around me that, again really care for me. I care for them. They're investing in me. I'm investing in them. And again, we have full transparency. And then I have a fundamentally
1: your entourage, but one that actually is valuable. Again, we see entourages. A lot of times those are a joke, but what if you truly had a real board of directors around you, right? A true entourage that was there to watch you have your back, tell you the truth, not yes, men and no, uh, men, but people that were willing to point you in the right direction if you got off track. Imagine if you had that in your life. And that's what you're talking about. That's what a core group does.
0: It's, it's a beautiful thing. And then I have some accountability partners. Yeah. Okay. And again, accountability only works if you go first. Agree. Agreed. <laughs> right?
1: And you're willing to face the shame and you're willing to be vulnerable uh, and you're willing to talk about the hard things.
0: Yeah. And you have to invite it in, Chris. Oh, everybody listening, please understand this. You've got to invite people in to help hold you accountable. Yeah, absolutely. I want accountability. I am not safe on my own. I have too much ambition, too much drive. I have belief that I can do anything, right? I mean, those are dangerous things unless there's some, unless there's some limits on those. I totally agree.
1: And I'll give a good analogy to wrap this up. Um, another coach, I think I told you, Terry Wallen that I'm working with Greg, You know, he said, Chris, the people in your life are like the gauges on your dashboard in the car. Man, you're an entrepreneur, man. You're in the Lambo. You like to go fast. And imagine driving that thing without a dashboard. You don't know the RPMs. You don't know the fuel gauge. Are you running low on gas? You don't know how fast you're going. The people in your life are the gauges so that you know that you are getting optimal use out of the machine, but you're not driving it into the ground that's what people do. They are the gauges in your life. And I think that's a really valuable way to look at it. So Greg, what a powerful, powerful message. For anybody listening, I love the fact you talk about inviting accountability. Again, I'm I'm being transparent going, yeah, do I bring in coaches to help me in my business? But it's the Greg Sassatolis, right? It's the, the Terry Wallings. It's those men like you in my life that have been extremely intentional. About bringing in because I understand as a man, it's been what you've been through, seen what you've seen. Man, I'm young. There's a lot I don't know. And I want to learn from the mistakes of other men, not always necessarily have to make those mistakes myself and learn from, particularly ones, as you said, that were avoidable, completely avoidable. So I love it. Greg, wrapping up, if someone's listening, going, man... Love this. Again, I'm going to read this guy's book. Again, The Seven Enemies of Excellence by Greg Sassacholi. But they were going, man, this guy coaches. This is maybe something I'm looking for. I want to grow myself as a man or a woman or a leader. How do people find you?
0: Please visit us at coachwell.com.
1: And spell that out.
0: C-O-A-C-H-W-E-L-L.com.
1: Dot com. And again, thanks, Greg. I want to thank you publicly for being a mentor and a coach to me. You guys can imagine me spending time with a guy like Greg. You just got you know, an hour, uh, 30 minutes with him today. Um, just imagine hour after hour. It's been really valuable. I can talk to Greg about all types of leadership stuff, even outside of the Enemies of Excellence, which is awesome. And as always, if you're listening uh, and you're looking for community, we have that in REI Radio. We're not only teaching people how to find motivated sellers utilizing radio, which is hands down the best source, um, my heart and passion is to create a community long-term, um, even after people kind of finish the program, move to our alumni program, to really begin to build this type of support out. Um, because for me, these are the topics in my life now that matter most. Yeah, we will talk about marketing channels and how to wholesale and fix and flip. That's great. But uh, if you want to know where my true attention is, it's these topics because I realize these are the topics that matter most. So thank you for tuning in, Greg. Thanks for being here. dude. was... A massive amount of wisdom you just laid down. So one of these talks, people probably need to go back and listen to a couple of times. And two, if you're listening and you know someone that could value from this talk right now, man, share it um, because it really could impact somebody's life. So to the rest of you guys, thank you so much for joining. Until next time, when we catch you soon and add more value. Talk to you later.